All right, here we go. We are on the road for a Thursday edition of the Plank Show with Josh Helmer. I'm Chris Plank. We're coming to you live from Cavens Emergency Response Group, CavensGroup.com. Water, fire, mold, hazmat, they've got you covered. Mold remediation, big, big after all the rains that we had. Don't forget my man Chris over here as the weather has started to get a little bit chilly, taking care of you on the roofing side of things. Jessica is taking care of you on the maintenance side of things, commercial maintenance. Cavens is here to help, 405-573-3048. And I believe we say welcome back after a one-day hiatus to Josh Helmer. Good morning, Josh. A very pleasant Thursday, good morning to you. And how are you, my friend? I'm good. So did you get to only do two hours? Did you have the good old-fashioned two-hour feel again or no? No, no. I got to hang oh, out for, okay. for Locked In. Okay. As well. How, how was Locked In? It was good. It was good. Fun hanging out with Tyler and and uh, got to talk a little hashtag Cruden. We mixed a little Bedlam in, too. But, no, it was, it was good. I, I missed you, of course. It was. It's different because I had completely forgot that Parker was coming in. Completely forgot about it. And whenever he rolled in, there was a party. that's like, "What is Parker? Oh, oh, that's right, Josh. Josh and Parker are swapping today. So, it was a little different. That but makes I, that I, makes two of us because I showed up to the studio <laughs> yesterday morning. Did you really? Well, and, and listen. It's not a lack of communication, right? This isn't a situation where I can point a finger and say, why didn't anyone tell me? I just completely forgot. I completely forgot. Hey, what was your uh, – yesterday ended up being a pretty good sports day, right? Just real quick to recap the top stories before we go all in on Bedlam. Um, the Rangers won the World Series. First time in franchise history. I, now, I had completely forgotten – and I think maybe because of the pain of 2011 is brought up so much, I had forgot that Ron Washington had taken them to back-to-back World Series. I, for, I had completely forgot um, until the World Series started that they went in 10 and 11. And i got to be honest with you, there was a part of me that had completely forgot about the fact that the Diamondbacks at one point had Randy Johnson and Kurt Schilling and who that Finley that was a stud during the playoffs as well, too. And Gosh, it's just it's wild to think of how much – turnover that you've had in major league baseball in just a decade right just wild and then you know i'm i'm watching last night and i'm in and i'm 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 rooting for the rangers i want jim and arlington and uh gosh who suddenly there's a lot of ranger fans on my timeline which is natural after a championship and that's fine but i thought about the diehards i thought about TJ and I thought about Mike Stewart and Trevor Anderson, even though Trevor's kind of an Astros fan too, which makes no sense. Though I get it, Trevor. I get it. I remember the National League West days, dude. I remember those. Uh, Jim Costello, diehard Rangers fan, right? You know, it's just, you you think about the diehards and how long that they had been suffering and everything that they had been through. But then you stop and you realize I don't I don't know if this is one of those types of stories that gets the amount of national pub that like the Cubs did when they finally won a World Series or anywhere close are the Red Sox. And you're like, dang, man. But Ranger fans have a nice regional fan base, but holy smokes, they had themselves quite a drought. But ain't nobody giving them love like the Cubs nor the, the Red Sox got when they finally broke their streak. So I find that unfortunate. And then, Josh, I, 
I'm sitting there and I'm watching Nathan Evaldi pitch last night, and there is a part of me that's like, I swear he was on the Dodgers. I swear he was on the Dodgers. And then I go and I look at his path. Dude, what an amazing career path that Evaldi has had. He was the opening day starter for the Red Sox three years in a row. He was at one point in his career traded for Hanley Ramirez. And during this 2023 season, he was, and especially in the playoffs, he was just unstoppable. And then the final thing that kind of just caught out, caught my eye, was going undefeated on the road. That's pretty amazing. That's pretty amazing in the playoffs, and the Rangers went out and got it done. Yeah, and obviously they don't win the World Series if they couldn't find a way to do that. Now, you know, couldn't couldn't beat uh, Houston at home, but it didn't matter because no. they found a way to be uh, road warriors and, and resilient in that way. Just uh, just their time, kind of all the, the magic came together, and really you sort of felt like, as a neutral observer, once Arizona took care of Philly and Texas was able to win all of those games on the road versus right. Houston, it felt like they had gotten over the hump, but you still got to go win it, and they did. It's so wild to me. It's so wild to me how we worry so much about the the regular season becoming meaningless in college football in some people's minds, right? Oh, the 12-team playoff will ruin it. But yet baseball kind of celebrates the chaos that's been created the, the you know last handful of years. It doesn't hurt either that the Dodgers have absolutely zero pitching depth and everyone seems to get hurt all the time. But the Dodgers and the Braves out, right? Orioles kind of maybe a year away from truly being playoff ready. And I'm not trying – I'm not dissing it by any stretch of the imagination. They won the, they won the World Series, period. It don't matter. I think they would have beaten the Dodgers if they played them in a seven-game series. I think they might have beaten the Braves if they played them in a seven-game series. But – I don't like the fact that we only have the what, – what do we go, three, five, seven? Is that how we go? We go three for the wild card, um, five for the divisional, and then seven for the championship series? Did I get that right, or, or, or did I, I skip a step there, Josh? And, and seven I think I for got the World right. Series. That's right. I, I, I think the divisional series should be seven games, too. But that's just me, and I might be a bitter Dodgers fan because they got beat. But no, no disrespect. I love that. Uh, and, and then prior to the Rangers winning the World Series, Josh, I don't know how far back your college basketball Rolodex goes, but the first sports figure that I was truly afraid of, outside of the missing link, uh, missing link in Kamala, the Ugandan giant, was Bobby Knight. I was scared to death of Bobby Knight, and. He passed away yesterday after a very, can we say checkered career? Is that a fair way to put it? Oh, yeah. I mean, absolutely. He was a legendary career that wasn't publicly perfect. A, a legendary career that when you're talking about it has a handful of yeah buts in it. Yeah, but, yeah, but, yeah. It's, it's almost like, man, he had the last undefeated team in college basketball. What an incredible story. But, yeah, but he, he did he did choke out Neil Reed. Oh, I'm sorry, repositioned him. R.I.P. Neil Reed, too, by the way. What a 
you know, it's funny. No one, and I mean nobody, and this isn't anything new. This is probably going on, what would you say, about 10 years now, Josh? No one's ever going to be able to coach like that again. Do it his way. And granted, it cost him his job in the end, right? And there's still people to this day that would defend him to the death in Indiana, and understandably so. But I was afraid of him. I was scared of him. I never interviewed him, never talked to him. Uh, he came in town for a Texas Tech game, and I was, I was at his uh, – I was at a press – this is – gosh, I want to say this is like 2009, eight, It was before I was doing sidelines, and I came down for a Tech game, and I was scared just standing in the press conference. So he just – he motivated by fear. But you listen to him, he has great – he had great stories. He was He was a terrible broadcaster because he would get so mad. So angry. But he was a legend, right? I, I think there's a lot of people that were kind of conflicted with how how their legacy should be remembered. For me, Bobby Knight was a great basketball coach and came from an era where things were just different. That's just the reality of it. And as time progressed, he continued to have some success, and eventually what happened caught up to him. I, not caught up to in his career not not his life he didn't die from being a mean person just so you know <laughs> but I, I I've kind of struggled with it I wasn't necessarily a huge Indiana basketball fan but it, you know I grew up in Big Ten country so they always seemed to be on I was always watching the Damon Bailey's of the world and you know all these Calbert Cheney's and they were just dominating hoops and Bobby Knight was right there in the middle of it he was leading the way Cheney might have been like near the end of his run but I don't know man it's just Anytime you lose a legend, I think you reflect on their greatness and then where that sport was during their greatness. Because I don't know about you, Josh, uh, Bobby Knight's run at Indiana, man, college basketball was cooking. College basketball was, you know, you didn't have to worry about one and duns, and the only way a guy left early was what, after his junior season? I mean, that was a, that was a time when, when college hoops was – uh, top fold, if you will, consistently. And Bob Knight, you think about just his career, and obviously Coach K being uh, one of his players. It's uh, oh. you know, I mean, what he meant at Indiana, and you know, we're familiar with uh, many of us here. His tenure at Texas Tech, right? It's like that got a little bit closer to home for some of us uh, in this area of the country, and yet just college basketball in general. Oh, yeah. Is 29 years, dude. 29 years he spent at Indiana. That's a long time. I mean, that's ridiculous. No one's doing that anymore to school. Did you ever hear if he and Coach Krzyzewski ever buried the hatch? I don't know. You, you hope Maybe those things will. happen. Yeah, they did not. They did not have a very good relationship after, after the uh, – well, I think it, it dated back to the Army days, dated back to the West Point days because Coach K played for him. And I guess I guess Bobby Knight didn't necessarily give the most glaring recommendation or glowing, excuse me, recommendation for him. Anyway, I could sit here and talk about, you know, thinking about old school, mid-90s, early 90s, late 80s college basketball because that was it for me. Big East, big Mondays, Bobby Knight and Assembly Hall rocking. Lou, Lou Henson, 
I can't even remember who the old Iowa coach is, Josh. It's driving me crazy right now. The uh, Iowa had a legendary old basket like Doug. Mo- no, not Doug Moe. He was the NBA. Uh, it's going to kill me. I'm not. We're not doing anything until we figure this out. All right, Mr. Hawkeye, help me remember the great Iowa basketball coach. I mean, surely in the '90s. Not, yeah, you're, you're not talking about Lou Olson before that. Before he went to Arizona. Tom Davis, Dr. Tom Davis. Sorry, didn't mean to scare everyone here. Come on, Dr. Tom Davis. Had all kinds of legendary battles. No, Lute Olson wasn't there. Gosh, Lute Olson was there eight seasons, nine seasons? Yeah. Wow. So he took yeah, him to, took him to their last Final Four. Do you realize that Fran McCaffrey, if he can survive a couple more years, will become the longest tenured Iowa basketball coach in the history of ever? Crazy, right? And uh, he'll be the winningest coach midway through this season. He is uh, currently, yeah, he will. He will. Won't he's he? ten games off. Uh, well, the Tom Davis. Tom Davis's pace. How about that? Anyway, I loved college basketball in the in the nineties, and then I loved watching Bobby Knight at Texas Tech, and unfortunately, we lost him. All right, anything else that caught your eye from yesterday? I mean, listen, you and I haven't had a chance to talk about McDaniel's and Dave Ziegler getting fired yet. It was very celebratory day, but as somebody who understands what this station is all about, I'm not going to spend the whole day celebrating yet again. Yet again, but it was a very, very fun yesterday for me. You're, you're always free to celebrate uh, with me, my friend. I'm, I'm happy for you. Uh, by the way, here's one, quick, here's one quick thing. There is absolutely no yeah, but when Bobby Knight he is a Hall of Famer that graduated 98% of his players. He has what the world needs now. I don't necessarily disagree that the world needs a little bit more discipline. But, my man, in a text you sent yesterday, you referred to the Oklahoma State Cowboys as the Cowgirls. I don't necessarily know if you should be the authority on telling us whether or not Bobby Knight has a complicated history to look back on. Just saying. Just saying, not that I disagree with you, that the world needs a little bit more discipline and that maybe it would help us all out. But if you don't think there's some caveats to Bobby Knight's run as a head coach, if you don't think there's some complicated conversations we need to have about that firm line between abuse and discipline and that firm line between intimidation and just straight-out violence, then we all need to have a, a little deeper conversation. The, uh... It's just me. The Bob Knight tenure, the way it ended at Indiana, was sort of the that was sort of the line in the sand, right? A, a historical line in the sand of yeah, this is not acceptable in sports right. anymore. Right, you just you can't. All right, I think we're good. I think we've touched on everything non OU and OSU related for Saturday, unless there's anything that I've missed. We got football tonight. Yeah, Thursday night football tonight, right? Uh, your Chiefs are on their way to Germany for a Sunday morning game. We are we are doing the morning kick time on that, right? Yeah, yeah, it'll be in the morning. Right. I think it's. You feel uh, good does about? It, does it kick at eight thirty or nine? If it is at eight thirty, I'm not going to lie for you. As far as the Sunday morning kick time, that might be even a little bit too early for 8:30. me. It is eight thirty a.m. And tonight you get the Steelers and the Titans, so you get a chance to see Will Levis. Will Levis against Mitch Trubisky. Who boy. Uh, I thought Will Levis looked good last week against the Falcons. This should not necessarily be a pretty game tonight. 
So there's a look at what's going on around the world of sports. Let's drill deep on Bedlam when we come back, all right? What did we learn? What did we learn from Coach's Corner? I told you guys I don't necessarily think that there is going to be across the board 100% happiness over what DeMarco Murray said. Not because he said anything wrong. A little bit of coach speak in there. Plus, how does Mike Gundy plan to attack the Oklahoma defense? What has he seen from the Sooners? And Ted Roof's impression of Ollie Gordon and how Oklahoma slows him down. I will say, Josh, you know, typically on Thursdays we kind of do the, hey, has anything changed your opinion throughout the week? Uh, nothing has really changed from anything that I've heard, I, except just the magnification of this. It's no BS, is it, whenever Brent Venables is talking about Ollie Gordon? So, no, he is truly bought into that guy, Josh, isn't he? He thinks he's pretty special and going to be tough to stop. Yeah, well, I mean, who would look at the last four or five games and think any differently? It's true. It's true. And I would also add that um, I saw a tweet from our guy Dave Sittler this morning. It was kind of cracking me up. The whole, uh, man, what took him three games and Mike Gundy to figure out Ollie Gordon and Mike Gundy basically said, you know, we had a bunch of guys. We were trying to figure out who it was and see if someone was going to step up. And I guess Trace Ford on another station said, yeah, no, we knew this guy was a freaking stud last year, and we were shocked that he wasn't playing. <laughs> so maybe a little bedlam salvo in that world as well, too. All right. You feel good about the rest of the show? That's uh, I feel great. That's pretty interesting from Trace Ford. Yeah, exactly. Oh, you know, we were fighting through trying to figure out who our guy is, and Trace Ford is like, no, we all knew he was a rock star last year. Pretty much everybody <laughs> wanted him to get the football. <laughs> That's right. All right, 405-651-3439. That's the Knippelmeyer Chevrolet text line. And the best way to get in touch with the show, it's a Thursday. We're at Cavens. We'll come back and talk the latest injury updates right here on The Ref. All right, welcome back into The Ref. Did you have any, you know, one thing we didn't get to touch on yesterday, Josh, did you have any reaction to disappointment with our thoughts on the inaugural playoff rankings? Number nine? What, what do you think? I'm asking you. I have no take on it. None whatsoever. My take would be, I don't think anybody has a right to be particularly upset. And I didn't get the impression that anybody was nah. particularly upset. Because guess what? You just, just lost the week before. It is what it is. If you keep winning, it works it, itself out. And if you don't, then guess what? We're probably not going to care too much about the college football playoff rankings. So, yeah, I wasn't uh, been out of shape one way or the other, really. I wasn't either. I wasn't either. But as far as, like, oh, this is ridiculous, or how was that? I never try to have too hot of an opinion on the first playoff rankings because I know no one wants to hear this in the moment, but I feel like that they inevitably work themselves out. I feel like that. Because I, I get the sense, Josh, that every single year, if you could go back and listen to our show from, you know, from sixteen to seventeen to eighteen, in the six or seven years we've done the show together, I feel like every single time the first playoff rankings come out, there's this outrage of, my gosh, what are they going to do with like six undefeated teams, or in this case five, and how will it play itself out? And inevitably, you know, Ohio State and Michigan are going to play each other. Yep. Right. Georgia and Alabama are likely going to play each other in the SEC title game. And then, you know, you'll have the debate. Will a will a team a one lost Oklahoma or Texas or whomever is in that mix? Will they be able to do enough to put themselves in position? I 
I know it makes the road tougher, but I'm of the firm belief that you went out if you're Oklahoma, you're going to the playoffs. But right now, as far as I'm concerned, that's the farthest thing from my mind as a fan and as someone who covers this team. I want to see this team play better than they have the last two games. Here's a question I asked yesterday. And maybe this is kind of in line with anything that you've heard throughout the week that has changed your opinion or kind of changed the way you looked at things, all right? Do you look now at these last two games, the UCF and the Kansas games, the games since the uh, Texas game and the games since the bye, do you look at these as the outliers or do you maybe look at these as more of who they really truly are? That's kind of been my, my question over the last, you know, 24 to 48 hours. Was it out of character or was it who they are? Which way do you lean? when you're thinking about those previous two games. Because if you think it's out of character and it's not really who they are and they got a little high on the hog and they're, you know, they're struggling with adjusting with the way teams are defending them or you know, going up against better offenses in UCF and Kansas, then I'll firmly believe that they've got a chance to win their final four games. But I don't know, Josh. I'm, I'm kind of I'm struggling a little bit with that internally. Where do you stand on that take? I want to say that it's less of who they are than this is who Oklahoma is. But mm-hmm. defensively, uh, for me, they've, they've got to be better. They, they have got to be better. I want to believe that defensively they've made uh, legitimate improvements, and there's signs in uh, each of those games that they have, right? I mean, they came away with back-to-back-to-back big-time defensive uh, stops in the Kansas game to position you to win it. Had it fourth down, couldn't get the one the one final stop. Uh, UCF, the first quarter was amazing defensively what you did. Uh, save for a final drive in the UCF game of the fourth quarter, it was really good. So I, I look at the defensive side of the football, and I'm hopeful that uh, less of that is who you are. And then offensively, they just got to be a little bit more aggressive, I think. Much more aggressive. Much more aggressive. What Have you been able to figure out what happened to the defensive line on Saturday? That's been the great mystery to me. I know wipe it Wednesday happened yesterday, but and we're supposed to wipe everything. But when you start thinking about that matchup against Oklahoma State's offensive line, I think they've got an edge. But if they play, I thought they had an edge against Kansas. <laughs> But if they play like they did against Kansas, Josh, and they get blocked up the way they did against Kansas, it's Ali Gorn's going to run for 200 again. I, I haven't been able to put my finger on what in the world happened with that defensive line last week. That would be the one group that I worry a little bit about having played above their weight, so to speak, mm-hmm. uh, collectively versus Texas, because they were great. They, they were great in that game. And yet before that, outside of – Hey, run defense was pretty good. Run defense was was vastly improved, and yet uh, they they really weren't getting home to the quarterback all that much before the Texas game. So there were signs that maybe the defensive line was was just okay, was sort of missing a, a star or two at this particular juncture. And uh, here the last couple of weeks, unfortunately, that looks to be more of the case for Oklahoma. So simply put, yes, that that group needs to be. Better. They've got to play closer to what it was in the Texas game. Oh, uh, you optimist. Think about the lost Thursday is now trumping wipe it Wednesday. That's a fair point, Oh, you optimist. That's a fair point. I, I still have like this 
It's wild. It's wild, Josh. I was thinking about how similar the week leading up to Kansas has been to this week with a different tint to it, right? There is the, it's the last bedlam. No, we haven't talked too terribly much about that on this program, but I, I know across the, the state and across many of our other shows, it's been a major talking point. Um, but I, I feel like the same thing we were saying the week leading up to UCF I'm sorry, the week leading up to Kansas based on the UCF performance, it's kind of along the same line of what we are what we're saying and thinking about this week. It's like, hey, right, does this become a trend? Do we see a team where the analytics say that uh, the explosive plays are going to become more common and they've even though their stuff rate is still incredibly high, the runs are more chunk runs. Is this a team that this is going to be more of who they are. Guess we'll find out on Saturday. <laughs> and they've also, it's fair to say, they've been seeing better offenses. So That's I mean, Kansas, true. Kansas definitely, uh, UCF with John Rice Plumley healthy, and and even even without statistically, it was it was a good offense. Texas, uh, they got you a little bit, and uh, obviously you still made some big plays in the game. So part of it is the just the combination of. You're seeing better players. Are you worried about it getting too chippy on Saturday with the way that Oklahoma has had a propensity to pick up personal fouls? And then think of it what you want. Think of it what you want. There's been some ticky-tack calls that have gone against Oklahoma. Now, again, no one has a problem with personal foul on Savion Bird. That was personal foul. But – Targeting at the goal line, the um, the sideline penalty. I mean the the tipped catch, right? Which, by the way, looking back, Billy Bowman probably would have picked that as well too. But I do. In one of the angles, I heard I heard Teddy say this. I think on on Tuesday or maybe it was on Monday. I heck, maybe it was on his pod. That they that they expected to be a very chippy game, and in that I I mean that I, I remember asking Bob Stoops about it. We've played some chippy games in the past against the Baylor's of the world, and there is a there's a fine line, Josh, between being aggressive and being physical in the moment, and then also not getting personal fouls, right? And you almost feel in the in the era that we're in, it's something that is going to not necessarily have. What's the most professional way to say that I worry about how the officials would treat Oklahoma on Saturday in those instances based on where they're going? Yeah, we're a little leery, a little cautious. <laughs> I was trying to think of the most pro way to say it, but there you go. A little concerned. So, in other words, it's going to get chippy. How do you respond to that? How do you, how do you keep that edge when you know you know how this thing has been handled in all the games leading up to this one, Josh? You know, how do you handle that if you're Oklahoma? How do you not get sucked in? Because 
you know it's going to happen, right? It's going to get chippy. Well, and probably Oklahoma State should – they've got to be thinking, let's try and draw them into some of this. Sure. Obviously, Oklahoma's not been great in that department the last several weeks. By the way, we don't have to revisit it, and I appreciate the person that sent the screenshot, but the fact that they tried to say that receiver reestablished himself whenever by the time he touched the ball, I I think it was the first time that he had stepped inbounds, is one of the funniest things I've ever seen in a review process ever. Absolutely hilarious. Yeah, that was the wildest thing because, first of all, there's no way that he reestablished himself. Second of all, they came back and they didn't say the call stands. <laughs> Is that you? No, that's not me. They came back and said the the, the call was confirmed. Right, the call was confirmed. Which is not like oh, it was sort of close. It was no, it was clear as day. Call uh, call <sighs> confirmed. Unreal. All right. So uh, anyway, just a couple little nuggets. Let me play. Well, you know, let's get a break because it's already 9.36, and I want to hit DeMarco and Ted Roof at 10 a.m. Like I said, DeMarco isn't going to say anything that's going to be an aha moment, but it's really good. And I say it because I think DeMarco's awesome, and I think he's a really good running backs coach. You don't need me to tell you that. You guys know it. But I just feel like there is this – I mean, go back and look at the – go back and look at the tweet. Go back and look at the tweet from it, Josh. It is, it is wild, all of the, tell DeMarco he needs to do this, and why isn't DeMarco doing this, blah, blah, blah. It's like, <sighs> because he thinks it's going to give them their best chance to win. So quick break, and I see Brian, so hang on, USC Brian, we'll get right to you as well. 405-329-9000 is the Plank Show on a Thursday from Caven's Group on the ref. Do you know what? It's actually, of all the things that I mentioned in the open, Josh, that are going on, this is not a bad little Thursday night of college football. TCU at Texas Tech is tonight. Wake is at Duke. And you get South Alabama against Troy. So you get three decent games in college football tonight. How could I leave that out? I love it. And if that's not good enough for you, as we discussed earlier, nice little eyesore between the Tennessee Titans and <laughs> Pittsburgh Steelers. By the way, I wanted to I wanted to thank the 614 columbus ohio uh he came up with the most professional way for me to lay out how i would be concerned about the way in which a chippy game would be called you ready here we go we are concerned for the partiality of the calls in such an important and emotionally charged game that's pretty good right that's pretty good i'm concerned about the partiality of the calls in such an important and emotionally charged game. Yeah, I mean. Bravo, man. Well done. That's exactly what we're worried about. (laughs) Did you say USC Brian was on hold? I did say that. Good morning, USC Brian. What's going on, man? How are you? You know, it's always good in the neighborhood, and I'm going to be very brief and very quick. No. Why? Why are you being brief and quick today, Brian? Well, I don't want to keep up your time too much because I know y'all y'all got other things to do, but I got to say three things and then I'm going to let y'all have it. First thing is uh, congratulations to the Rangers. I hope now that they can bury the hatchet with Nolan Ryan, and I hope he's at the parade tomorrow. That's one. Hmm. 
second thing is, uh, I hope, and you'll never hear me say this again, so you better write this down. Okay. I hope o, I hope OU hangs 85 on OSU. Because <laughs> one, one, I can't stand Gundy, you know this. And two, the lack of disrespect that come out, comes out of that university speaks volumes. They have a person there who works for them name of Dion Amante, and you know who I'm talking about. I like about. Dion, yeah. He played for OSU and didn't know who Walt Garrison was. That's, <laughs> that's totally disrespectful. Totally. But, but the third thing I'm calling for is to do a little therapy on you, my friend. Because I need it. I know, I know your Raiders kind of did did the right thing and got rid of McDaniels and the general manager, which needed to be happening. But uh, you know that you're going to have to basically dig up half the stadium to get our flag out of the concrete, right? Oh, yeah? Why is that? Because when they were making the stadium, one of the uh, construction workers planted a Kansas City Chiefs World (laughs) Championship flag in the concrete. And ever since then... Kansas City's been undefeated at Allegiant. Somebody needs to tear that building down, find that flag, and get it out of there. <laughs> but 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 one more thing before sure. I go. Uh, Antonio Pierce is your best bet to do something with that team. I know everybody keeps talking about Harbaugh coming in, but mm-hmm. Antonio Pierce grew up in L.A. He grew up loving the Raiders. He comes from Compton, and if anybody needs to bring that attitude back to the Raiders, it would be Antonio Pierce. Now, good luck to my Warriors tonight because they're in Oklahoma City playing on that new cloud field uh, court that they have. But, uh, you know, hey, it is what it is. Boy, you're going after everyone. Brian, thanks for the phone call, buddy. It's great to hear your voice. Take care, my brother. I'm not going to lie, Josh. I'm not going to lie. I am back in. It's amazing what one move can do. You get Josh McDaniels out of there, I am back in. Let's go. Now, we still stink. We're still not a very good football team. But if at the very least we can get back to 500, beat the Giants, beat the Jets. And I like the new general manager. I like him a lot. So – I mean, I'm not counting on Purdue legend Aiden O'Connell to go out and go shot for shot with Patrick Mahomes or anything, but it's kind of nice to be excited about the NFL again, even when you're, what, three games under 500, two games under 500, whatever it is. Needed a change, no doubt. Do you like the idea of playing a game, (laughs) of playing the game in Germany? I I like the international series. I think it's fun. I, I like as a fan, I like waking up and having NFL football as soon as I wake up. I think that's kind of cool. And and I might not, you know, watch all of that game because I'm getting up, getting around, doing different things if it's not my team. But I like flipping over and, okay, it's third quarter. You know, I, I, I dig that. Do, do I, as a fan, like Kansas City going to Germany and playing the game? Absolutely not. Agreed. Do you know what? I'm going to call Dion. Let's get Dion on. I like Dion. He's uh he does a lot over at Oklahoma State. Does a lot. Did a lot on 1430. I think he's uh I think he's rolling with Pop now uh on the Blitz quite a bit, but I like I like Dion a lot. He really 
really, really knows this Oklahoma State team. Give him a break on not knowing the history. It's okay. Maybe whenever he was there, they didn't take the history lessons like they should have. Mike Gundy wasn't explaining the greatness. R.I.P. Walt Garrison, great Oklahoma State legend. What is, Josh, like the earliest Bedlam memory you have? Is there one where you're like, oh, yeah, that's the first one I remember? Honestly, and I hate to say it, Rashawn, Rashawn Woods catching the end zone. In 2001? Yeah, that, that's that's mm. the earliest memory I have because I was I was at the game. Wait. Oh, was that 2000 or 01? Because, yeah, it, it was 01. 01. Yeah. It, was the, it was the year after they won the title. I always get confused about championships. I remember, uh, I remember whenever I first came and started in radio, like the I think the 1997 Bedlam game, <laughs> that was uh, that was an interesting contest. But yeah, Bedlam football 1997. I think that was my first game I ever really truly covered. <sighs> Memories. Uh, Oklahoma lost that game, by the way. That's why I don't like to talk about it. Okay, it is 9.49. We are 10 minutes away from going all in on what DeMarco Murray and Ted Roof will tell you tonight on Coach's Corner. Again, you're not probably going to get those answers that you want. I'll go through some of those great tweet questions that I got, Josh, and you tell me if you would want to ask those questions or not. We'll dive into that next right here on The Ref. I went back. Uh, I went back, and I was laughing at the uh, the reply to the tweet. Gabe throws out a tweet every Monday. It's like, "Hey, we're going to do Coach's Corner. Here's our guest. Got questions for him." And sometimes, you know, we'll draw about you know a handful of decent questions. Um, but here's a few. What is up with our lackluster running back room? Like, who sends that tweet thinking that's going to be a question that's asked? I think that's uh, more for you for and, themselves. Yeah, it's it's for you and Gabe's eyes. <laughs> <laughs> Why did it take eight games into the season to realize Tawi Walker deserves to be starting? Um, Hicks Smothers, give them some shots. Ask them about the identity of the offense. What is it? The Hicks Smothers thing, I think, is is fair. See, but here's here's where I I agree. But and you don't have to ask it like that. You know what I mean? I mean, right. you can no, ask no, no. the question in the sense of, "Hey, what does it take for somebody like a Caleb Hicks or a Dalen Smothers to get on the field? What do you need to see, and when is it too late in the season?" Yeah, we asked. He, he mentioned it, but it's just they're not ready. They're not ready in his eyes, I, I, and I know it. And that's what drives and, fans crazy, right? Right. Is, is, right. But then again, Josh, if it was up to fans. They would have had Nick Evers out there at the OU Texas game instead I of Davis Bevel. I, I, hey, I, and I hear you on that because it can't get any worse, right? Are you sure about that? <laughs> I mean, I'm I'm of the believer that coaches play the best. I know this is shocking, and this might be considered a hot take. I think coaches play the best players that, that practice the best, that understand the responsibilities more. About, but in this instance, about I would ninety percent of the time, anyways, right? I mean, like. There's a mistake or two, I'm sure, but generally speaking, oh, yeah. generally speaking, yes. Especially this long into the season, like ninth week into the season. But I don't know what injuries they're dealing with. I know Hicks didn't make a trip. Make, make didn't travel. He didn't. He wasn't travel. He didn't travel last week. So, to me, that means that 
they'd feel a little bit better because you have a travel limitation, amount of people you can travel in conference play. So they feel a little bit better about the guys they have at running back where they might need someone else at, I don't know, Josh, safety or corner that they need to travel. So, yeah, I don't – I again, you're all allowed to feel the way that you feel. I'm not telling you that you're wrong or you have to think like I do. That's never been my point. That's never been my way. And if you think that, then you're hearing what you want to hear. I'm t- feel how you want. But I'm of the firm belief that coaches like to win. It's shocking, right? And that they know a little bit more about their depth and who they have than you do. And they know a little bit more about the commitment and what guys are doing in practice. It's frustrating, and no one wants to hear it because we see with our eyes how bad some things are. But, Josh, just spend a little bit of time in these mentions. It's absolutely hilarious. Uh, why the terrible play calling? <laughs> when are we hiring Brian Ferentz as the at Iowa at his offensive coordinator? After Saturday, we may as well. I mean, that's just, like, dumb. That's, like, the dumbest thing you could say. Oklahoma's offense is not at Iowa. Ask someone who watches a lot of Iowa football, Josh. Is Oklahoma's offense at an Iowa Hawkeyes level? you got to really, really try hard <laughs> to achieve that level of ineptitude. And no, uh, no, it's not. Hey, we don't have I, – I just I, – I know True's on hold, and I want to give him time. So after the top of the hour, we'll dive into it. But there's really been no true updates on Danny Stutzman or Tywee uh, Walker. None. The, the feeling is that – both are going through treatment. They're doing as much as they can at practice. And that they're going to give it a go on Saturday. At least Stutzman will. I haven't heard anything on Tawi Walker. And when I say give it a go, that's like, hey, test it out, see how it feels pregame. That doesn't mean give it a go and be out there on the first series. I I went back and rewatched it, man. I worry about it. I worry about Stutzman. That looked bad. All right, quick break. We'll get to your calls. We'll get to your texts. We'll get to DeMarco Murray next.